Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me with a little bit. I mean, there isn't a game this weekend, but things slowing down for, for at least a couple weeks before Michigan starts you know, I guess they're full speed practices leading up to the college football playoff. We thought it might be fun to look at uh, some of the postseason honors Michigan is receiving this week. So lots of Aiden Hutchinson talk. And then in the second half, we'll talk about Josh Gaddis, uh, maybe, you know, some junior Colson and Jake Moody, so some, some other players who either already have or, or should get some honors as well. It's, it's, it's quite a week for Michigan. Really. It's, um, Probably going to go down right up there with 97 in terms of individual awards that, that Michigan is, is raking in and all American honors that they're raking in. So we'll talk about Hutchinson and then the second half we'll do Gaddis offensive line as well. Jake Moody, junior Colson, some of the other distinctions, but Aiden Hutchinson, it seems like every time I, I wake up, I see that he has won another award or is a finalist for another award. Last night around 10, 10.30 p.m., he won the Rotary Lombardi Award for the top lineman, offensive or defensive, in the country. The award's been around since 1970. Hutchinson is just the second Michigan player to win it. Lamar Woodley also won it in 2006. But but really, I think the big thing for Hutchinson this week and and – I guess we'll see what happens Saturday, but Heisman finalist has a very strong chance to finish in the top four, which is something that really has not happened a ton for Michigan in the past 30 years. I mean, you're talking about Chris Perry, Jabril Peppers got fifth, by the way, Chris Perry, Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, and Jim Harbaugh, I believe in the last 39, 40 years since Anthony Carter are really the only ones to rank that high in the Heisman Heisman honors. So really quite a distinction for Aiden Hutchinson. Steve, your thoughts on, on what this means. We'll talk about some of the debates, some of the, you know, the, 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 I guess the talking points in a moment, but just Hutchinson making it to the Heisman award ceremony in New York city, uh, quite an honor for him personally, but, but what, what does this mean for him? What is the significance of this in your mind? Uh, part of my, one of my first reactions, it goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, not so much about Aiden himself, but nice to see them elect a defender and not a defender who played on the offensive side of the ball at all to the, you know, get invited to New York. I think that's a good, a step in the right direction. Again, whether it was Aiden Hutchinson, Will Anderson, whatever, uh, it's nice to see other positions besides, although I guess ironically, the other three are quarterbacks, but, um, uh, you know, it's nice to see other positions get recognized as as being Heisman uh, Heisman worthy candidates. So, for him, I mean, guy should be patting himself on the back at some point. You know, I, I just go back to all the Bosa stuff that they got. He and his dad got ridiculed 
uh, so badly for bringing the Bosa name up as far as what, what type of player, what type of season he could have had last year. Uh, of course, he gets injured. And then he goes on to have a better season than either of the Bosa's, I think, had at Ohio State. So props to him for kind of fulfilling, I guess, what he always believed he was capable of. I mean, there's no better feeling than that. And they win, and they win the Big Ten. On top of that, I mean, he really has achieved the main... Has any player, actually, just real quick, have we ever heard of a player benefiting so much from returning for a senior season? I mean, he checked every single box. He beat Ohio State, won the Big Ten, Heisman, probably defensive player of the year based on him being the only defensive player invited to the Heisman. And he actually improved his draft stock. He probably would have... I think he could have gotten into a first-round slot last year, but now he's going to be the number one overall pick, or at least... At least a top two or three pick, but I, right. I think he'll be number one. Right. No. Which, yeah, like you said, never doesn't doesn't happen very often. You wonder if he had stayed healthy all year last year, if that if it would have maybe changed his thinking if the injury actually for for him and Michigan maybe ended up being a blessing in disguise. Uh, but either way, I mean, really, it's it's talk about calling your own shot you know, and, and really achieving everything that you set in front of you. And, and on top of that, it's a little, I mean, a little different than Woodson because Woodson's big plays in the big games were maybe a little bit more tangible. I think, I think where Hutchinson's value has been is, is on a play to play by play basis. He's easily been Michigan's most valuable player. I think that's his biggest case for winning the trophy again we don't i don't expect expect it's going to be Bryce Young but um either way i think his his biggest case for those who actually watch the games and aren't focused on the statistics uh is that i mean i think it, i think the argument could made uh, be made on a play by play basis that he was the most valuable player in the country this year i don't know where you know even with Ajabo's emergence i don't know where michigan is without hutchinson this season uh yeah, I don't think they beat Penn State. Right, you know, and... Maybe they beat Ohio State, but I don't know. I mean, three, right. three sacks is like... <laughs> and fit, what, 15 pressures or 14 yes, pressures yes, or whatever? Yes, 15 quarterback pressures. More, so we, we talked, you know, that Ohio State was only under pressure on 22% of passing snaps all season. Hutchinson provided pressure on 29% of snaps, just himself. So, yeah, so there you go. That's value on every play. That's helping create opportunities for your entire defensive unit, which has turned out to be one of the best defenses in the country this year. So, yeah, like I said, my biggest thing is you should, he should, uh, I don't think he's the type maybe, but I'd be patting myself on the back for sure. I mean, you talk about a guy whose hard work paid off. Uh, it's paid off in spades and, and it's, you know, it filtered its way down, I think, throughout the program. His hard work did. I know Harbaugh has mentioned a few times, we've talked about it a few times. So, you know, really uh, can't understate what his impact was this year, but also I think going forward for the Michigan program, I just, I think it's, we talked about Haskins sort of being a tone setter for Michigan on the offensive side of the ball that where a lot of his value was, I think Hutchinson, a tone setter uh, from a leadership standpoint, from a, like, what is, what's, uh, what's necessary to take those next steps type standpoint. I, again, I think it's something that'll filter on down uh, through, through the program, through these younger guys, uh, for the next few years to come. Yeah, I think that's, to me, that's the, the main significance is I think 
this is an ultimate victory for Michigan because they've had to fight that a little bit where players seem more interested. And, and I don't necessarily blame players for this. I, it sounds like a negative, but I can't say I would think it differently. But, you know, who are valuing being NFL draft picks or valuing maybe the, the their own individual journeys over necessarily what they do at Michigan. And Hutchinson, I mean, you're, let's be very clear. Michigan's extremely lucky because this is a physically gifted, athletically gifted player who grew up when he would like write down his goals or, or, you know, have these ambitions. They were college ambitions. You know, it wasn't, you know, he wrote down, I want to play for Michigan and win a Rose bowl when he was in fifth grade. He didn't write, I want to play for the, you know, the lions or the Patriots or anything. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's not too common that a elite athlete, who's always been elite, always has known that he's probably going to be a, a fantastic football player. His main, their main goal is college. And they, and of course he's got NFL goals. I'm not acting like he doesn't, but, but when he was growing up, it was, it was Michigan. It wasn't NFL. And so that, I think that played a big role in him coming back for a senior year. I think you're right. If he had been healthy, had kind of established himself as a first round pick, I think there's a chance he goes last year, but I do think he there was a big part of him that wanted to beat Ohio State. And every player does, but like like genuinely like it's in his blood, it's in his it's on his mind all the time. It was clearly on his mind in July even when reporters were kind of snickering about it. You know, he and and another thing is obviously now everyone's going to play in the bowl game, but people would ask me, "Oh, is Hutchinson's probably going to sit out the bowl game?" I'm like not a chance. There is not a chance in the world because he's cited he wants to win a bowl game as you know, but one of the reasons why he came back. And, and I think that's, to me, that's like the ultimate sign that, that you're about the college level. Like you, you really want to, to do something for your, for your college when you're citing bowl victories as, as a reason to come back. Cause nowadays top 10 picks, you almost wonder if they, they're ever going to play in a, in a non-playoff bowl game. So yeah, he's, um, uh, it's got to be a dream come true for Michigan's coaches because you're right. His work ethic was contagious. I think his, his, uh, you know, I did a story about it a couple weeks ago, like an in-depth story about hearing from, you know, guys like Luke Schoonmaker and Mike Sane were still talking about how contagious Hutchinson's energy is in practice. And I think, you know, we can talk about individual games. Does Michigan win without Hutchinson? I think Ohio state and Penn state are a couple of them, but I, I just don't think the team, takes that next step without Hutchinson setting that off season tone because he's a, he's, he's the vocal leader of this team too. He's a two-year captain. Him and Josh Ross are always the ones speaking to the team when, when players speak to the team. So yeah, he, um, he's done a lot for Michigan. I, I think he's worthy of the Heisman ceremony. I think, I think one debate would be like him versus Will Anderson because I think Anderson had more tackles, more sacks. I actually looked it up. Uh, if you go by per snap, Hutchinson's value has been slightly better, but they're they're pretty darn comparable. I wouldn't say one or the other. It's just Michigan's defense got off the field more than Alabama's did this season. So Anderson played more snaps. Hutchinson played fewer, 
and ultimately had like fewer tackles for loss, fewer um, sacks as a result. Steve, obviously, when these when these finalists came out, there was plenty of debate, and especially in the state of Michigan. I personally think Kenneth Walker could replace Kenny Pickett in 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 the finalist ceremony. Or, you know, I, I think Bryce Young. I think you and I both agree the way he played against Georgia probably clinched it for him. I, I'd be very surprised if somebody else won. Did they get the the four finalists right in your mind? You know, with C.J. Stroud, Kenny Pickett, Hutchinson, and Young, should I, I? I think that they should just do five, to be honest. But um, your your thoughts on on the field? And I know it's not not something you were necessarily diving into the other day, but yeah, I, I really thought Kenneth Walker had a Heisman finalist caliber season, and it, it brings up a question. You but you brought up the quarterbacks. I almost wonder if every year there should be a running back and a defensive player invited to New York kind of as a um, just to make sure that it's not just quarterbacks who threw a lot and scored a lot of touchdowns. So your thoughts on, on the, the four member finalist field where Kenneth Walker fits in, in your mind. And then also uh, I guess anything else that has to do with that debate. Walker should have been in. I didn't realize. So he had, he had 140 against Penn State. Had the huge in game the snow. Against, yeah, had the huge game against Michigan. Um, you know, at the, at the Ohio State game, really kind of, really more of an anomaly based on the fact. I mean, you get down that quickly, that badly. You know, it's running the football is not going to be the. You know, maybe they could have stuck to the run a little bit more right away, but either way, you get you get down like 35, 42 points in the first half, like you're not going to run the football. Yeah, so, right. Um, and it's not like he had like 15 carries and 20 yards. No, he had six carries. Yeah, right. 24 so, yards. So his defense didn't really do him any favors in that regard. Uh, but I, I think he should have gotten the invite. Yeah, and pick it probably the most replaceable. I agree. I mean, I'm not big on it being it, – it's just – it's always just – become a quarterback award it feels like you know it's it's always nice when a non quarterback is the guy but it seems like it takes like a borderline historical season from x player at any other position to even enter the conversation um i, I you know i know Bam's or looking. or a season where yeah to be a running back to win the award nowadays it's like you have to run for 2000 yards and there has to not be a quarterback who was really, really good. Right. You know, so, I mean, I watched quite a bit of Alabama football, honestly, because they're always on CBS. Um, I, I thought, I think you could argue Jamison Williams could have been in the conversation. I mean, you, I mean, just the impact that he had for them week in and week out, I thought was, you know, you could argue – again, it's, it's hard to not, it's harder to say greater than the, because the QB does have the ball in their hands. Like literally every play I get that, but I mean, he changed the, their dynamic offensively uh, in, in a huge way. Uh, same on the other side for Will Anderson for Alabama also is another guy that had some really nice statistics to back up a Heisman case too. Uh, really maybe statistically more impressive than Hutchinson did really. But you know, the Bama, the Bama conundrum is always that they, they just have so many 
elite talented players that it, you know, it almost made like, it's easier to, for a star to stand out there because you have to pay attention to like everybody on that roster. So, but yeah, Kenneth Walker, I think definitely should have deserved an invite. I don't know why it's restricted to four. You know, I'm not saying open it way up. Yeah. Maybe five would be a better way to go about it. Yeah. You don't Uh, want it to be gigantic, but I, I guess the difference between four and five. Hey, look at this year though. I mean, the, again we're we're guessing and and Vegas is backing it up that that young is probably going to win it but outside of that like who's going to finish second and third and fourth you know I mean that's where it's like there are years where there are maybe a couple more guys that deserve an invite you know and so I I agree I mean not taking anything away from Kenny Pickett who will probably end up being the best NFL quarterback uh, of the guys invited so Mm -hmm. and he did a lot I mean he's a him and Walker, I think, of that list are the two, if they're not on the team. Yeah, sure. How many fewer wins do they have? Sure. Well, you look at, you know, State's defense being inconsistent. And really, their their passing attack was relatively inconsistent, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really did kind of carry them. Does Michigan win against Michigan State by, like, 15, 20 points if Walker's not in that game? Got to think so. Right. I mean, he, I don't know, but I agree. I, I feel like that would be the result. Yeah. So yeah, I, you uh, know, that's, it does kind of stink for <laughs> uh, Michigan state fans. It's, it's always gotta be something, but you know, on this one, I think I, I do tend to not at the sack, not at the expense of, I think Hutchinson deservedly is there. I don't think that's the con. That's the conversation that tried was, attempt it was an it was an attempt to create that conversation uh but i think it's the wrong guy you know if it's going to be four and if walker's there i think it should be over picket if anybody so which then you have three of the four are big 10 guys but i you know i think with stroud though too he really played well against teams that could not defend the pass and was not super spectacular uh, in some of their other games, but, but and, just, and he has kind of the Alabama thing where yeah, three first round picks at, at receiver, receiver and probably, probably a, a couple on the offensive line and one of the running back uh, Henderson will probably be a first round or second round guy at back too. I mean, so. yeah, that, I did that. I did that question. Now, granted, Ohio state deserves credit for, you know, it's not to Stroud's it's not to take anything away from Stroud because Ohio state recruits well, but if Stroud doesn't play this year, Ohio State, I still feel like wins nine, ten games. Right. Um, you know, we're, I can't say the same about Kenneth Walker. I definitely don't think I can say the same thing about Kenny Pickett, and and probably can't say the same thing about Aiden Hutchinson. I, I I don't. We don't know. Maybe someone else emerges as a leader or something like that. But man, oh man, I think I think those three would be my second, third, and fourth options. Because Bryce Young was just the best player in college football this year. But I think those three were the most valuable to their teams. Um, some, some Walker stats, maybe our listeners don't really care, but uh, 1,600 yards, 6.22 yards per carry. So he actually ran, he only had one more carry than Haskins. Um, 1,168 yards after contact. That's 150 more than anyone else all season. Uh, 89 broken tackles, 11 more than anyone else. So yeah, it's um. I think there's a really good five or six if you want to loop Anderson in. And yeah, it's just kind of a bummer. And and I do think Steve, 
this is where I kind of feel I feel for Michigan State fans because I think they're right on this one that if if Walker was playing at a bigger name program like a Michigan, like an Ohio State, he's going to be in New York this weekend and might even be have a trendy you know opportunity to win. So I think I think that's where the brand part of things. And also just not being a quarterback. Brand uh, and, just... and and but but take away the fact that he couldn't really get involved in the Ohio State. I still think just the the residual effect of them getting beat that badly probably yeah. did not help his case. Whether he, you know, again, out of his control for really for the most part, but just the residual effect of getting beat that badly on the national stage, I just really think right or wrong hurt his candidacy for sure. Not this, not even the statistics for him from that game, but just the, just the way that game played out was so lopsided, um, you know, and then Michigan goes ahead and beats them the next week. You know, I just think the those, that residual effect, I think may have it just in the perception aspect of it from uh, whoever nominates uh, that. I think that might end up playing a role. Yeah, I agree. One more question on Hutchinson before we, before we flip to the other stuff, where does this season rank for him in terms of best defensive performances in Michigan football history? I think I got to think Charles Woodson remains number one. Although if if you think about it, if Hutchinson is second or third in Heisman voting and they are number two team in the country, I mean, it's, you actually can start to make that comparison a little bit. I think for a long time, I I think most people just assume that it would never be discussed again. Where, where does Hutchinson season rank among the best in defensive player history? Certainly in the 21st century, I got to think he's number one, Steve, Steve, what do you think? This century, number one, that's it's tough because a lot of Woodson's value was, special not a lot but a decent amount of it was special teams and offense but I still got to go with Woodson as the best I mean just big plays that I mean just game change game swinging plays uh in multiple games the Heisman Trophy year uh picking the end zone against Ohio State when Ohio State was making a run back into the game picking the end zone when Washington State was about to go by two scores in the Rose bowl. Um, just lots of plays that I can, you know, more plays I could even think of if I sat down and thought, but even just the Michigan state interception, an iconic, just an iconic play, you know, so still got to go with Woodson overall, but man, I mean, this is, this is, it's, if he's not number, if I don't have him number two, I don't know who I do have number two, unless we're going like way back. So, here are the only other options that I can think of because one way to measure it is all American status. And, and I think Hutchinson is going to end up being a unanimous all American. It'd be, it'd be very surprising if he wasn't in the, since 19, let's do 1981 defensive unanimous all Americans, Mark Messner in 88 trip. Wellborn actually had it twice in 89 and 90. Charles Woodson in 97, Lamar Woodley in 2006, and then Jabril Peppers in 2016, who, who again, is someone whose impact was not just defensively. He was great on defense. It was also, there was also special teams and 
And they tried to do a little bit of offense for him too. Um, that's, that's a short list though. And I think that's probably the list that you start working with. Yeah, I guess I'd go with, I'd still go with Hutchinson then. Just behind like, right behind Woodson? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I would too. I, I, I think so. I think if he if Michigan finds a way to pull this off, this meaning the college football playoff, I think I would reopen the Woodson versus Hutchinson. But but for now I think it's you, you bring up some good points. I mean, there were just some some that's, iconic, that, hey, iconic that's, plays. That's that's fair too, because his performance in the Rose Bowl was you know, was right up there too. So, you know, whatever Hutchinson does from here on out could kind of keep that conversation going. Absolutely. Yep. yep. And the fact that this is a discussion is such a high compliment to Hutchinson. Cause I think, you know, I think everyone was on board with him being pretty good. And I think he was always better than the three and a half sacks that he had. in in what was it? 2019. I mean, he was very much a pressure generating guy. I think he generated around 50 his sophomore year. Um, this year he's at 73. So, you know, obviously he's broken through and, and started hitting home on the sacks more, which is, which is big. And the one thing about his sacks is it's a school record and everything. I wonder how many he would have if David Ajabo didn't get there first so many times, you know, that'd be something interesting to maybe, you know, maybe in the off season, go back and look and see how many, how many times did Ajabo deliver a sack that Hutchinson was like, half a second away from also delivering. And so, and it goes both ways, right? If Hutchinson's not there, then, then maybe a job gets a couple more, but um, you know, that's, that's one thing to consider is he has, he already has more sacks than I think everyone, but chase young, maybe at this point uh, in, in the big 10, if I'm, if I'm missing someone there, that's, that's fine. But he has more than the Bosa's did uh, more than anyone in Michigan history, obviously. So hats off to him. Probably going to go down as, again, one of the top three, two or three defensive players in Michigan football history. Uh, feel free to weigh in, by the way, for, for listeners. You know, if, you, if, if we're missing somebody, feel free to let us know. Uh, you know, in terms of the 21st century, other options would be Devin Bush, Jordan Lewis, Mo Hurst. Um, Leon Hall, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else off the top of my head that I'm missing, but I think I think Hutchinson's just had one of those very special seasons that that again it says a lot that he's defensive player going to the Heisman ceremonies because they don't do that every year. Maybe maybe they should do it every year, but as, currently they don't do it every year. So credit to him. All right, we're gonna hit a quick break on the other side, talking about Josh Gaddis winning the Broyles Award along with some other awards and honors coming Michigan's way. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So Josh Gaddis, it was actually a little bit of a surprise when it happened, Steve. I know you and I both were at least, we weren't expecting it necessarily. But Josh Gaddis, Michigan's offensive coordinator and receivers coach, winning the the Broyles Award for best assistant coach in the country this season. Michigan's offense ranked 13th nationally in points per game. 19th in yards per play, and I, I believe 23rd in yards per game, somewhere in that early, you know, low 20s. But Steve, you were telling me before we hit record, the more you kind of sat on it, the more sense it made to you. Tell us, tell us what you were thinking and, and why this why this makes a lot of sense for Gaddis. Well, yeah, I was surprised when he actually won. Not saying he didn't, I didn't think he should or you know, those, those awards are always tough. Cause I think, I think that's, that's those, those are one of those awards that a lot of like pretty much anyone who's a finalist probably deserves it in some capacity, you know? Um, but I just, I go back and I think about, you know, one thing that happened this year for Michigan, completely healthy, brought back a lot of experience. I started thinking about some of the other games where Michigan had, like good offensive performances. One really stuck out was the the blowout over Notre Dame in 19. And I always remember, I remember thinking like when, when, when things would click for Michigan offensively, it always felt like they really clicked. Uh, I remember in that game, receivers running wide open, uh, nobody within 10, 15 yards, like just stuff that you knew was really well designed and was, was succeeding at a high level. Just the issue was, we didn't see that on a week to week basis. It was, it was very inconsistent. And this year it felt like, you know, and again, this, this all does start with the players, you know, Michigan, I think finally got what we'd consider an elite offensive line performance throughout the season. Uh, they had a quarterback who stayed healthy for the entire season and uh, they got a lot of talent, but I, it was like the way Michigan is able to run their offense now heading into this, this college football playoff is you can see what Gaddis's vision was, you know, and, and, and now it is, it's, it's, it's an offense where there are like seven or eight guys who could hurt you at any given, on any given drive, any given scenario. I mean, there's so many different weapons and, and ways that Michigan, I think that's, what's been most impressive, just the multifaceted attack that Michigan offers, you know, I mean, somebody I think responded, was like, you know, his play calling got better throughout the year. I, you know, the thing with that was, I think, I think if, if Michigan had any struggles earlier and earlier in the season offensively, I think it was more McNamara trying to work through and, and become more comfortable in the offense. Uh, you look at the Washington game, you're going to tell me that that wasn't a well-called game, you know, not just like the X's and O's, but like knowing your opponent knowing how to attack your opponent. Washington did end the season, I think, with the second best pass defense in the country. 
first or seventh, they were right up there. You know, so it was a situation where, you know, you take the pieces you have and you, you utilize them against the opponent, you utilize them against your opponent. It's like Michigan was able to beat teams so many different ways this year. It felt like, and even in their loss against Michigan state, 400 passing yards. Yeah, uh, yes. A pass first attack where they got so many different guys involved. You'd argue, I think you'd argue, I think anybody would argue the defense is really what let Michigan down in that game, not the offense. And uh, so I think it's a situation where it's a culmination of, of, you know, talent and experience finally in the system, a quarterback that a good quarterback who stays hundred percent healthy, everybody buying in. But from the coordinator standpoint, I, I just think, what he's kind of created is it's a just a very unique situation in college football. Uh, you know, pick your, it really is a, a, they've really almost turned into a pick your poison type thing. And the other thing we talked about before we recorded that I, I thought was really stood out to me. And, and if anyone disagrees, what was interesting is it, it, it feels like Michigan had wrinkles in the wings throughout the year. I mean, the Donovan Edwards stuff late, you know, they, they opened it up with him against Maryland. It's like, there's no way you're telling me that they could not have, if they'd wanted to, to try to utilize some of that earlier in the year and that we, they wouldn't have seen some success with it. So what does it do? Leads to a huge touch. The first touchdown against Ohio state leads to maybe the most exciting play of the year on the double pass against Iowa last weekend, you know, just different things. You're like the, you know, they come out in the third quarter against Ohio State and just go off tackle all of a sudden. You know, it's like it just felt like that Gaddis, the, the unit was a step ahead of most defenses that they faced. And and when, and when they maybe weren't a full step ahead, they still had the, their, he still was able to utilize his guys in a fashion to, you know, move the football down the field. So just kind of a, I think Michigan's offense is just kind of a fascinating study this season uh, just because, you know, like a weird mix of like conservative game management, but also I saw the stat going around yesterday. They led the country in plays of like 50, 50 plus yards, 60 plus yards and 70 plus yards or something. Am I wrong? It it was, it was something along those lines, you know? So like this weird mix of like, you know, smash mouth football up front, but then also still being able to use that to set up, the explosive play. So, you know, I think, I think, you know, talk about a guy who's come full circle at Michigan. You know, I think it, it was, I was not surprised to see a little bit of emotion when he talked about it. Cause you know, he's probably been through the ringer as much as any uh, Michigan football figure over the last, like, let's say 18 months to 24 months, you know, as far as the fan criticism and is this going to work or this just what, what the hell's going on type thing, you know, to kind of come full circle and win <laughs> top assistant of the year. Yeah. Uh, quite a 180 for him and, and really well-deserved in my opinion. Yeah. I think you bring up a very good point. He was put through the ringer. I, I think it was unfair. Um, you know, we, and we were critical of him for sure, but I, you know, I think, I think the thing that, that always kind of surprised me was just how quickly he was blamed and he, he knew that was what was going to happen coming in. I mean, I'm sure that was a part of the discussion process was, I mean, that's why Jim Harbaugh was so hesitant to have an offensive coordinator in, what was it, 2017 and 2018? You know, it was like that weird, no one knew who was calling the plays or whatever. Um, 
that was to protect because when Michigan loses, people want to know who the offensive coordinator is because that's who they want to blame first. So uh, he took that on. And, and I think, you know, and Jim Harbaugh did take a chance on Gaddis. He was a first time play caller. He was a first time re you know, full-time offensive coordinator. So I think, it, I mean, there was a, a some risk involved and, and certainly there was, there were things to question, but yeah, you know, I always felt like the recruiting was there. I always felt like, um, as you said, like you could definitely see what it looked like when it clicked. It just was a matter of making it click a lot. By the way, Michigan does lead the country. Now they've played more games than a lot of these teams, but they, they are first nationally in plays of 50 yards or more, 60 yards or more, and 70 yards or more. So, um, yeah, they definitely have have a penchant for the big play. And, and But the thing that stands out to me about Gaddis was how consistently the offense was able to deliver. I, I'm going to eventually sit down and, and crunch the numbers, but their first drive of games and their, their first drive of the second half, I'd be really curious what percentage of points Michigan has scored this season came on on one of those two drives. And I, and to me, the reason why I bring that up is that's, that's when the offensive coordinator can kind of script the drives. They can really sit down and plan, you know, down and distance. Here's what it is. Here's what this play is going to be. And that's, so to me, that's a coordinator's ability shining through, but every game they scored at least 20 points, you know, most games they scored at least 30 points. The last, few weeks of the season they scored I think 143 points in their final three games I that's 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 exactly what you want for a coordinator I uh as far as this you know the the Broyles award you could have talked to me into Jim Knowles the Oklahoma State defensive coordinator winning I, I you know as you kind of said at this you know coordinators it's hard there's no like coordinator stat you know it's just a matter of the offense or the defense because each team has to pick one coach that they submit um, you know, it's just a matter of, did you think that they, imp- you know, it's like, it's hard to tell who's working with which talent strength of competition. One thing about Gaddis, you know, those offensive numbers weren't anything otherworldly, you know, top 20 in a bunch of categories, but not necessarily top five, but in the scope of Michigan football history, they currently are on pace to set a record in yards per play finish third all-time in yards per game and second all-time in points per game, at least in the, I don't know if the, the 1900s games count, but, but in terms of you know, the last, when they started keeping official stats in what, 1968 or something like that, you know, you're talking about an offense that is doing things Michigan hasn't been able to do. And that's not a Michigan problem. That's because they have to play the Big Ten. Wisconsin, great defense. Penn State, great defense. Iowa. Great defense. They scored. They scored 42 points against Iowa, more than Iowa's allowed since the 2015 season. And really, in the past three seasons, they hadn't allowed more than 27 points. I mean, they broke Iowa's defense. You could argue they broke Wisconsin's defense. And so, um, I think when you factor in the strength of competition, I, I have, I, I would have had no issue if Knowles had won out of Oklahoma State. Uh, Dan Lanning. You know, I, I, I would have to study more how much of that is landing versus smart because I know he's a defensive coach, but wouldn't have had a huge issue with him winning either. But Gaddis, uh, certainly, certainly worthy 
of that award. But Steve, I, I have a question for you because I, you know, I had a couple friends text me this. Michigan was only allowed to submit one assistant coach for this award. But if you look across the board on Michigan's team, would Gaddis win assistant coach of the year in your mind? Because I think, I think it's a, a very good flex year for Michigan's assistant coaches. You know, Sharon Moore, the work he did as a first time offensive line coach, building that offensive line and throughout the season too, uh, but especially toward the end, Mike McDonald, his, his numbers are, are incredible compared to what, what Michigan's defense was last year. I think Steve Klinkscale's work can't go unnoticed as a secondaries coach. You know, George Hilo, Sean Nua, uh, two assistant coaches who are, I mean, you can, you can quantify the improvements that these, def- that these uh, position groups made. And then Jay Harbaugh, I think, number one special teams group in the country. You know, hard, hard, to, hard to look at anywhere. I mean, they're the number two team in the country, so obviously – you know, it's going to be across the board, but, but Steve, in your mind is who wins the, the assistant coach of the year award for Michigan this season. And if it's not Gaddis or if it is Gaddis, then who might be second or third in your mind? Yeah. There's a lot of guys. You didn't mention Ron Bellamy. You talk about Brad Hawkins had a great year. He had a true freshman and Rod Moore emerge as a, looks like a future star at the safety position. RJ Moten made a lot of big plays throughout the season. So, you know, pretty much all the defensive assistants, there was, there was tangible improvement at every position defensively this season. And, and in some cases, leaps and bounds. So it'd be hard to pick between just the defensive assistants who was the most valuable. Uh, You know, I'd almost want to say Sean Nua just because of the, the, what we've seen out of Mozzie Smith and then Chris Hinton as the season has worn on, you know, those two, cause you know, you got, and then, and then Ojabo, you know, Hutchinson, I think was, is, is going to be a guy who's going to succeed in any scheme or any coach this season. But, you know, I think that, that unit up Chris Jenkins, you know, uh, just a lot of guys who are look like future contributors and, and guys that already contributed this season, it's tough though overall because you're right. That was what was most interesting. Obviously, you know, Jay Harbaugh, special teams coordinator, probably not going to get nominated for the Royals. I don't know if a special teams coordinator's ever won the award. I, I'd be shocked. Um, but yeah, Michigan had number one special teams unit in the country, according to uh, Football Outsiders. I always use that. I love that page. Been kind of keeping an eye on it all year. Uh, Iowa was actually number one going into the game. Michigan was number two. Yep. You see, Michigan and Iowa misses a field goal. Michigan blocks a punt. I, I suspect that had a significant impact possibly on those statistics and uh but defense yes yeah, like my question was would mcdonald or, or gaddis be the guy to get nominated if you asked if you had asked me going into it i would have thought mcdonald would be the guy that would have been nominated uh not saying i would would have chosen him over gaddis necessarily but i just it was that close and it just felt like it just it, you look back at last year you know, and yeah, and what it's what's how they look now compared to what they looked like last season. And you thought that it just looked like a more tangible turnaround, you know, as far as that unit goes. Like I just said, talking about where people have improved. Um, Michigan's offense was expected to be pretty solid this year. I don't think it was, I don't think it, they, I think they obviously greatly exceeded expectations, but I think 
you know, with what they had at running back, they're bringing back a lot of guys up front. I think a lot of people expected Michigan's offense to be pretty good. I don't think anybody expected the defense to do what they've done. So, you know, that was a bigger question for me as which coordinator would be nominated, you know, cause I, I think, I think you are honestly looking at a situation where if they had nominated McDonald instead of Gaddis that McDonald may have been the guy to win it really. I mean, it would have been, you know, it would have been interesting to see how far he went. So I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's hard to, it'd be hard to choose. You know, I think Sharon Moore obviously has a, a say in that conversation with, with how Michigan's offensive line really looked. Mike Hart, you know, yeah, there's a lot of talent at back, but they've had talent at back before, you know, so tight ends were way back, like in the blocking aspect, Eric all looked like an all big 10 player for the latter half of the season. You know, I mean, there's just a, it's, it's really hard to choose, um, you know, which other assistant you maybe go with. I think both coordinators did, did a hell of a job and, and much like we talk about Hutchinson's influence kind of seeping through the rest of the locker room, you, you'd say that these coordinators maybe set the tone for, you know, their, their respective position coaches and, and down to the players, just because, I mean, it, it, really look Michigan looks as crisp and as well-oiled as as they ever have on either side of the ball under Harbaugh yeah not just under Harbaugh under anybody <laughs> I mean it's you know again this is Michigan's best team since 97 so so of course everyone's going to look good I I would give the nod to McDonald you know with with not no disrespect toward Gaddis but I think McDonald I think he had a lot of chess versus checkers moments this season against some pretty good offenses, good offensive players. Um, you know, you think about that would be the proverbial debate is, is like when, when Michigan beat Ohio state 42 to 27, when you think about what Ohio state was this season, which of those numbers is more impressive, the 42 or the 27, they're both very impressive, but I, I think, I think the defense really, they had, they had one game where they, you know, the substitutions, they, they might've been overthinking there. Um, maybe they weren't, they weren't fully prepared for some of the misdirection that Kenneth Walker could do, but really the rest of the season, the defense was, was kind of the, the unit that was closing out victories for Michigan and, and I guess winning the game for the Wolverines, both, both the offense and defense were doing a lot, but, uh, McDonald, you could see his teaching. I mean, you can watch the film of some of these players last season versus this season. And and just the just palpable fundamental improvement, palpable schematic improvement. You know, more disguised blitzes, more uh, disguised coverages. Just really, I mean, I, I imagine Michigan had a tough time deciding if they wanted to submit Gaddis or or McDonald for the award. And I I think you're right. I don't know if both would have won, but I think both could have won. You know, Michigan defense number nine nationally in yards per play allowed. Last season, they were they were not that. They were much further down the list. So um, I think my, my top three coaches this year, in terms of everything I've been able to see and gauge, would be McDonald, Gaddis, Moore, Harbaugh. That would be – and Klinkscale number five. So uh, – because one thing with Klinkscale is I, I do think he's coaching safeties as well. You know, it's not, not – this is not to take anything away from Bellamy, but I think he's he's the one that's kind of – like the main defensive backs coach and 
defensive pass game coordinator, I think is, it's not, I don't know if that's an official title of his yet, but I think uh, that's something to keep in mind. But yeah, really impressive across the board. So a couple other awards and distinctions to, to talk about as we, as we wrap up this show. The offensive line is up for the, oh gosh, what is the award called? The offensive line award. Is that the Moore award? No, it's not the Moore award, is it? Um, but, but really, we just talked about Sherwin Moore, the, the impressive work he did. I, looking at the other finalists, Air Force, Oregon State, Kentucky, I, I think Michigan's going to win that one. So I guess real quick on the offensive line, you know, all season, I, I wasn't, 100% sold in the offensive line really until I guess the, the Maryland game, but really the Ohio state game, I thought was an emphatic performance for the offensive line. You know, John Madden's calling it the, the best offensive line performance he's ever seen in football. And, and you think about the injuries that they had, maybe, maybe some growing pains here and there, but it delivered when it counted. And, and, and to the offensive line's credit, it was never a liability for the Wolverines this season. They really, I, I give Hassan Haskins, Cade McNamara, Blake Corum, a lot of credit for avoiding tackles for loss, but also there was never a time where Michigan's offensive line was losing a battle, which I think is, is pretty impressive. Uh, your thoughts on the offensive line. Is it the best offensive line in the country? Maybe that's, you know, that's something that's hard to quantify or hard to debate, but, but they have a very good chance of winning the award. Your thoughts on the offensive line and, especially first year coach, maybe they, they had a couple underclassmen, you know, contributing a couple injuries, uh, just your thoughts on the offensive line overall. They'll probably win the award. But like you said, I mean, I don't know enough about other offensive lines to, to know if they're like the, the best unit in the country. You know I mean? There's so many other factors. I don't, I would have thought going into the Ohio state Michigan game that Ohio state had one of the two or three best offensive lines in the country. Maybe they do still, you know, maybe Michigan's just that good on the edge. So, I mean, you talk about watching what Hutchinson did to, to Thayer Mumford was one of the more impressive, like that might've been his most impressive. I mean, Mumford's a projected NFL draft pick next year. If I'm, unless I'm completely mistaken. Hutchinson took a lot of offensive tackles <laughs> money this year. I mean, Jackson Kirkland at yep. Washington. Yeah, no, I don't. Wisconsin had a couple guys. Yeah, he uh, he heard a lot of guys' draft stock this season. Yeah, he's ruining some uh, some bank accounts there, but um, but yeah, I mean, you could argue that was his most impressive like performance. But because I, you know, that was my thing going into that game is I wasn't sure if what Michigan could do against you know that Ohio State's offensive line has really always driven their success. You brought up the the uh, Stroud's in pocket percentage or whatever, you know, these absurd numbers of, of really not being pressured and Michigan flipped that and turned it upside down. You know, meanwhile, Michigan dominates up front on the other side of the ball. So, I mean, they're obviously in the conversation and this, this, I don't know the history of this award. I don't believe it's been around that long unless I'm totally mistaken. I got, got to think they do their homework on it. Uh, but, you know, obviously you Michigan, hope so. Cause yeah, right? hopefully it's, not just like a reputation award. Right. Well, I don't think Michigan's ever been in contention for it. So and it's, you know, I don't know how much of a rep, you know, reputation award it would be, but you know, obviously they're in the, they're right in it though. And it, they've, they were, was there a game? 
That's the thing. Go back. Was Michigan State really the only team that slowed Michigan's running game down to the point where they really just couldn't? Like it didn't really do much. Wisconsin and Rutgers both held Michigan to 112 rushing yards. How much they have against State? uh, Like 146. Okay. So, well, even then, I guess maybe like that's the thing. Like, and that's one of the keys. Well, and we have all month to break down or at least a few weeks to break down the, the game against Georgia. But, you know, it's not so much. This is, again, another reason why you'd say Michigan's offensive line is so successful, not so much about having to run for 250 yards. Uh, it's about running the ball enough to make your defense, uh, make the defense respect it. And uh, it kind of feels like they did. I mean, because they hit on deep shots. I don't remember. Rutgers was the game I, I had the wedding. I didn't. I didn't see really any of that game. But but I know even against Wisconsin, obviously against Michigan State. I mean, they hit on deep shots in both those games. So pass protection was excellent all year. I mean, they got to be one of the top three or four at worst, if not the best. So yeah, Sharon Moore really says a lot about you know we we you can look back now. We saw a lot of signs of positivity in the spring and then fall camp about it just, you know, the cohesiveness, we know how much that communication brotherhood cohesiveness, how much that pays off at, at a upfront, you know, on the offensive line. And, and it was, it was a situation you needed, we needed to see it, but at the same time, Zach, I think we both said that this offensive line had a chance to be one of the best in the country going in, yep. you know, we were very high on it. Honestly, my criticism might have been a factor of me holding them to best offensive line, in the country standards. Right. Right. So we definitely, you know, I think one of the other, one of the key things that we hit on big time was, you know, that Andrew Vasardis was not healthy last year and people were fretting that he was going to take that, you know, Zach Zinter was supposed to win that center job and had to do a little bit of calming down saying, you know, Vasardis was really not healthy last year. Michigan really thinks he's got a shot to be an asset. And that, I mean, that really turned out to be one of the keys, you know, let, let Zinter play guard. Man, Vizardis yeah. is such a smart player. Yeah, no, great. I, like, my goodness, his recognition. I mean, I, I still laugh. Like, you know, when he sees – he'll, like, see a defensive player. Um, you know, I'd be curious how many free plays Michigan has had this season versus other teams because he is so good at he'll, – he'll snap the ball early if a defensive player is still running off the field or if they jump over the line. You know, he doesn't – He'll do it. I mean, he just rec- recognizes that stuff, but he also recognizes what the defense is doing all the time, too. Right. No, just impressive all the way around, you know, and, and a guy that if he didn't know he was hurt, you'd know he was hurt after what McNamara said after the Penn State. I mean, he almost got emotional uh, talking about the Stardis last year. So, you know, bringing him back at full strength and, and yeah, allowing Zinter to play guard and keeping Stuber out at right tackle you know, in a lot of ways, his, him being healthy and, and effective is, is what I think ended up making this offensive line click. Yeah. It is the Joe Moore award, by the way. And, and looking at, you don't have to love PFF's numbers, but we do cite them for other stuff. PFF does not actually love Michigan's offensive line. They're 38th in pass blocking and, and Michigan is 53rd in run blocking. So perhaps, I mean, Kentucky's top 12 in both categories, Air Force's has had a pretty good offensive line this season. Uh, I don't know much about Oregon State, but yeah, as you kind of said, they they probably do their homework. This is the only, you know, if you're on the Joe 
Joe Moore Award Committee. This is probably something that you're studying a lot closer than you and I are. So we'll see. I, I think we've got a very good chance of winning. Either way, really, really impressive improvement. And I, I, I give the offensive line a ton of credit because I think, I think that's how they beat Ohio State. And quietly, maybe a little bit of how they beat Penn State. I know that game was kind of an ugly offensive performance, but I think I think the steadiness of the offensive line really helped against a pretty darn good, you know, pass rush and and pretty darn good front seven for Penn State. Uh, last couple ones here. I've seen Junior Colson making a lot of freshman All-American honors. And then Jake Moody actually was the CBS slash 24-7 sports first team All-American kicker. As these awards continue to happen, there's freshman All-Americans, there's um, you know, regular All-American awards. Any any additional thoughts or players who, who um, I guess, you think either are getting overlooked or getting properly looked at? Any 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 thoughts on some of these awards and and honors? I think Pro Football Focus game gave Jim Harbaugh National Coach of the Year this morning too, which I guess Pro Football Focus is a worth like a worthy of noting, I suppose. Of yeah. The awards. Well, it's hard. Actually, that's a good question. So is there anyone else? I mean, who else would you pick for coach of the year? I guess fickle maybe, but in terms of exceeding expectations going well, from dude, he, based. Yeah. Think, think about the national, like if there was ever a guy that should win it this year, it'd be him based, you, you know, you can't, these people can't eat their, eat their cake and have it too, or whatever the, however the hell you say that, um, you know, the, the same people voting for these awards were the same ones picking Michigan to go fourth in their division, picking them to go 500. They went two and four last year. You know, I mean, I agree. If it's not fickle, it's got to be Harbaugh. And even then, Cincinnati was a preseason, what, top 15? Yeah, I think they were top 10. Right. The, so the, the one question, though, Steve, and this is always my bone to pick when the Big Ten does their basketball coach of the year, is that it turns into who sucked last year but didn't suck this sure. year award. Like like uh, Richard Patino won it a couple times. And it was like, right. no, he just had a bad year last year and was better this year. But, so I don't but but to your point, I mean, in terms of exceeding expectations, playing in against against a tough, tough competition. I mean, they beat Ohio State. That's I don't know if worthy of awards in the right. recent Big Ten history, that's recent or that's worthy of an award. on its own i mean it's the first conference loss that ryan day's ever had i mean that's how ridiculously good ohio state's been so won the big 10 title by 39 points yeah and then first unranked team to make first preseason unranked team to make the college football playoff too which might be the biggest feather in a coach of the year argument cap you know it's like nobody's done that before so yeah i agree it shouldn't just be they were bad last year they were good this year but they were really bad last year and they're really good this year um yeah i agree it shouldn't be like rebound coach of the year award but they did enough stuff besides just rebounding that i think it's deserved um trying to think yeah colson well deserved linebacker not a lot of freshmen have like productive seasons at the linebacker spot i mean we're seeing a little more than we used to but 56 tackles yeah. yeah and just you know effective again inconsistent but i think we had, we thought he'd play right away. I, I don't think I, we thought he was going to do that or that he was going to be that they were going to rely on him that much. You know, that was like a best case scenario. Absolutely. I think, you know, I think there was a lot of tempered expectations, especially when he didn't play a ton early. You know, I, I don't, 
I can't remember if he was banged up or not, but I think Michigan was like, okay, he's going to be really good. It's just a matter of when it might not be this year. And then suddenly he was really good. And, and now, you know, him and, and I think Rod Moore, a lot of people are asking about Rod Moore. I don't think based on the numbers, both coverage numbers, but also, you know, just the, the typical numbers. I don't think he is someone who can make these freshman All-American awards, maybe a true freshman All-American award. I know the Athletic put him in theirs. Uh, and I think he can make a lot of second teams. So he's he's in good spot. But, yeah, with with, his, with those two, and then with Edwards, and I, you know, throw Anthony in there as well. When they have, like, these 15 bowl practices, I mean, suddenly you could see them having even bigger roles against Georgia, and then obviously next season as well. But, boy, that was – is there a freshman class in the country that produced as well as Michigan's did this year? Hard to – trying to think. I don't, I don't know. I mean, again, you'd have to look a little bit deeper. But as far as guys who played – significant roles and won won their teams some games yeah. I mean Edwards was so great against Maryland and uh, you know Colson beat out a couple of vets to start at linebacker for one of the nation's best defenses I mean yeah that's it's uh and that's with you know, McCarthy Anthony went off against Michigan State yep yeah I forgot I forgot that's what that that might show you how strong this class has been I forgot about Andrew Anthony who definitely has the highest ceiling at receiver on the team for sure. I mean, you talk about a guy that people should be excited about headed into next year. Uh, he's going to be, he's going to be good. So. Yeah. Very impressive, especially given that that class, I mean, it's kind of a wild card class for every team because evaluations were so hard to come by. Um, Michigan had to recruit kind of uphill a little bit with their record. You know, they had to work hard to keep that class together. Um and obviously they're, they're kind of going in blind with a few of these players that, you know, they didn't get to see them play full seasons or see them in the traditional summer workout camp series. So um, yeah, Jake Moody, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that, that really merits all American honors. No one, no one really jumps out to me. I, I think I, I would probably pick Harbaugh for national coach of the year though, based on everything, all those factors. So All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll have lots of content, probably still do twice a week leading up to the playoff. Next week, we'll do um, some superlatives for the season for the team, you know, because I think they have their banquet or their postseason awards. And then we'll also take a real little bit more in-depth look at Georgia. We might talk some basketball, too, uh, you know, kind of as as they conclude this stretch of relatively significant games, couple Big Ten games, San Diego State, North Carolina, and all that. So stay tuned with us as well as the recruiting podcast leading up to National Signing Day, the basketball podcast with, with Tim McCormick as well. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.